Open your Bibles to the book of Philippians, the third chapter, Philippians chapter 3. The message this morning is entitled, Never Stop Growing. There is, there is a danger that as we get older in life and we have been a believer for longer and longer period of time, that we will stop growing spiritually, that we will begin to just sort of drift through life or glide through life. And evidence of that comes when we don't read the Bible like we used to read the Bible or we don't pray like we used to pray. or We don't witness like we used to witness or we don't come to church like we used to come to church and we don't serve like we used to serve. We're just sort of gliding through life and usually when that happens, another result will be that we just don't take sin as seriously as we once did. Paul addresses that very issue in this text that we're going to read this morning. So my encouragement to you today is just a little self-examination and allow the Holy Spirit to examine your heart and He will do a far better job than you can do on your own. And if you recognize that you have reached a point where you're just sort of gliding through life, then this would be a moment or a morning in which the Holy Spirit gets your attention and you decide that I'm going to do something about that. I'm not going to just keep on keeping on like I am right now. The series is entitled From Servants, that is from Paul and Timothy. Which Paul credits Timothy with helping him write this epistle. Paul and Timothy... Two servants, that is the believers at the church in Philippi, and then leap forward to us about the servant, that is about Jesus. So that's what Philippians is all about. So I'm going to plead with you today to keep growing spiritually and intellectually, but my focus is spiritual growth. And so I ask that you stand with me as we read God's word from Philippians chapter 3, and I'm going to read beginning with verse 12. Open your Bibles there, or there's a pew Bible in the rack in front of you, or you may watch the screen. Verse 12 of chapter 3. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. And he's talking about obtaining all this. He's referring back to all that he talked about that we looked at last week and and the joy of walking with Jesus and the, and the knowing fully the power of the resurrection. Paul says, I'm, I'm still in process on all of that. And, and so are we. So not that I've already arrived, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature 
should take such a view of things. And if on some points you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. In other words, God's not playing games with you. He wants you to know everything. He'll reveal it to you. Verse 16, only let us live up to what we've already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Who's the us and the we? Well, I would suggest he's talking about Paul, Timothy, maybe Epaphroditus. You remember him. We looked at him a few weeks ago. Now, verse 18, for as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. We can anticipate that day. You may be seated. Never stop growing. So I want to leave with you four thoughts about the text. And the first is this. You aren't there yet. You aren't there yet or you haven't arrived. Paul acknowledges that he is not perfect. He is not a spiritual superman. Now, we might tend to think of Paul in that category But Paul says, no, I'm not perfect. I'm not a spiritual superman. I'm straining forward in the race with my eyes on the goal and encourages us to do the same. All of us have witnessed either in person or by participation or on television. You have witnessed track meets where someone is running a race and the person in the lead in the race suddenly decides to look over his or her shoulder to see where the opponents are. And in the process, either someone passes them on the other side or they lose their focus and they lose their stride and suddenly they aren't going as fast as they were and they end up losing the race. We've all seen that many times. And Paul is alluding to that. Paul was very familiar with athletics, and we see that in several uh, of his epistles, I think particularly in track and field, very familiar with that, that was a form of the Olympics that took place in those days. So Paul alludes to that here. Paul tells us that the gospel keeps him humble, and it should have the same effect on us. If you look at verse 12, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. And verse 13, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. I think most of us would agree there's little in this world that is more obnoxious than a Christian who thinks that he or she has arrived. Uh, Always right. One who considers herself or himself totally mature Some are brazen enough to say it. Uh, Others just simply reveal it by their actions. But Paul encourages us. And if Paul needed to press on, then I would submit you and I need to keep on pressing on. We haven't arrived. We aren't there yet. We don't know it all. We have much to learn. And age is no guarantee. 
let me remind you that Noah got falling down drunk at the age of 601. (laughs) You would think that by that point in time, Noah would have known better. And so as I reflect on my own life, some of the dumbest decisions I've ever made have been those that I've made when I was old enough to certainly have known better. Leadership is not lordship or being superior. It's about humbly following Jesus and becoming more like him. Knowing that we have not arrived means we will not be smug and we will not be critical of others, but there is in our lives a humble teachability. Those are two pretty important words, a humble teachability. And so as we think about what Paul is telling us in Philippians, as he encourages us to never stop growing, then just simply remember you aren't there yet. You haven't arrived uh, spiritually. You aren't perfect and you aren't spiritual superman or superwoman or wonder woman we've all much growing to do spiritually we just aren't there yet um, back years ago when i was a youth minister i had to um, visit with a teacher who was not doing very well in teaching uh, just really never came prepared, never really had anything to share, and the class was going downhill. And I, I'm still young in the ministry, and I never will forget saying to her, I, I really think that it would be good if you just took a break and uh, think about all this, pray about it, let, let us put somebody else in that position. That's a hard thing to do when you've got a volunteer. That is, that's awful. I'd just punch me in the nose would be more pleasurable than having to have that kind of an appointment. But I'll I'll never forget the smugness of her attitude when she said, well, I'll have you know that I have arrived. I mean, she really said that, really actually said it. And she said, spiritually, I am mature. And so she launched into a combativeness that she didn't really want to do what I was asking her to do. But um, I prevailed for the good of the class But I've never forgotten that. Now, nobody since then has ever said it quite like that, but I have encountered people who seem to have that opinion. And and so I look at myself and I say, what about me? I mean, the Scripture's written and it applies to me. So all I know from this is what I hope you will understand. We're not there yet, and we need to keep pressing on until the day that God calls us home to be with him. Now, the second thing from the text that I want us to notice is Paul says, press on toward Christ. You haven't arrived yet, so press on toward Christ. Knowing we haven't arrived, then what should we do? Now, remember, he's not talking about salvation here. This is written to the church. This is written to the saved. He's talking about Christian maturity. That big word that we like to use theologically, sanctification. And if you were here last week, you know that I related to you how Sharon, my wife, teaches, and Wendy Fitzwater teach that the second graders in Sunday school about sanctification. 
And it's day after day, and they do the little hand motions, day after day after day, becoming more like Jesus. Well, that's easy to remember. And the kids are remembering it. And, and last Sunday, I went in there, and they demonstrated it for me. Day after day after day, becoming more like Jesus. And that's what Paul is talking about. So press on. How do we press on? Well, first of all, we press on with passion. If you don't care, then there's not going to be any passion. But we are to press on with passion. Paul, in another athletic uh, illustration, said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. And then the author of Hebrews said it this way in the 12th chapter. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So cast off those things that entangle us. It's like you don't see a track meet where the runners are running wearing trench coats, uh, overcoats. They, in fact, they're wearing just about as little as you can wear and still be decent. They get, they get rid of it so that they can run as fast as possible without encumbrance. That's what Paul's saying to it. Now, is all that worth it? Yes, it is. Maturity, sin avoidance, wisdom, blessing that we bring to others, it's, it's all worth it. So, how do we press on toward Christ? We press on with passion and, and we press on with focus. We press on with focus with our eyes on the goal. We press on with focus. The gospel is powerful. Keep your eyes on it. Forget past sins and failures that have been confessed and, and repented of and forgiven and press forward. Past success is nice, but don't camp out there. Don't continually relive the glory days, but get ready for the next game. Press on. So how are we to press on toward Christ? With passion, with focus, and then we're to press on with purpose. Paul says, this one thing I do. Well, what is the most important thing God's called you to do? Not the maybe the only thing, but what is the most important thing that God has called on you to do in your life? Whatever that is, that's your purpose. That's your main purpose. And I think for all of us, there is there in that definition a word that says we're to bring glory to God with our lives. So in order to press on with passion, with focus, and with purpose... We want to be sure that we're reading the scripture and praying on a daily basis. And maybe that's been part of the issue in your life. You don't read and pray like you used to. So get back with it. 
listen and watch strong biblical teaching and, and preaching serve through the church and, and be accountable to others. All of that helps us press on toward Christ with, 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 with passion and with focus and with purpose. So then the third thing that we find in the text is find right models. Find right models. We can all use godly models in our lives. You know, it's a height of arrogance for us to think that no one else is good enough to serve as our model. That's crazy. Or it's a height of arrogance to think, um, I don't, I don't need to go to Sunday school because I don't, I don't want to listen to somebody else teach the Bible. They don't have anything to say that, that I don't already know. All that, that, that's the height of arrogance. We can all use godly models. So we look around. We watch. We observe. We observe godly men and godly women. And then as the Spirit leads, have a conversation with one of them. Have a conversation and maybe you'll say, what do you do to grow? And do you have any advice for me? And these men and women of God are going to be found in the church. So we look for, we look for models. Paul says that's a good thing to find the right model. And we continue to grow spiritually and we grow intellectually, but we focus and we never quit learning. We never quit learning. Look at historical figures and read their biographies or their autobiographies. What is there that you can learn from their lives? I've, I've been an admirer of Jonathan Edwards for years, and, and I often think about and reflect on his writings. And this week I realized I've never read one of his most important books, Freedom of the Will. So I ordered it. It came yesterday, and I opened it. I said, oh, yeah, I remember what it's like to read Jonathan Edwards. So wish me uh, Godspeed on that one. In 2018, as we tried to strengthen our homes, who has done it right? Who has been faithful for years? Who is wise? Who is consistent? Who is bold? Who leads well? Those can be people who have feet of clay and aren't perfect. If you're thinking they're going to be perfect, then don't. They're not. But Paul says it is good to find right models and to learn from them. And then the fourth and final thing that the text tells us, and this is really important, remember your citizenship. Remember your citizenship. Your citizenship is in heaven. You're just passing through here. This is just for a little while. In the light of eternity, it's a pretty brief little while too. We're just passing through. We're not ultimately citizens of the United States or of Texas or of Belton, although I love all three of those entities passionately, but I realize they're not my final home. I'm just passing through. As much as I love Belton, I, I have learned do not confuse Belton with heaven. It is not. And if, if you think Belton is heaven, then I invite you at 4 o'clock this afternoon to take a chair Put it in your driveway where the sun is beating on you and sit there for a little while and you'll remember this is not heaven. We're not there yet. 
I said earlier that growing spiritually is is most important. I, I didn't say that your skills and your work and your and your schooling and your athletics, your drama and all that. I didn't say that was unimportant. I just said the spiritual is the most important. So we live accordingly. Have you ever gotten home in the evening and your spouse was baking cookies or maybe dinner was on the stove and you walked in and you and you said, this smells like heaven. This smells like heaven. Well, create an environment that smells like heaven. Create an environment around yourself that smells like heaven. Absent sin, perversion, immorality, vile talk, racism, hatred. Present is love and affection and serving and blessing. And that'll get in your nostrils just a little sniff, a little smell of heaven. So we think back now what Paul wrote. You aren't there yet. As we think about never stop growing, you aren't there yet. Press on toward Christ with passion, with focus, and with purpose. Find right models and remember your citizenship. Now one more look at verse 20 and 21 and then we'll close. Verse 20 and 21. Our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Now, that reminds us that heaven is our home and the savior is coming again from there. What is he like? Is he a pale, puny Caesar or dictator or prime minister or president? No, he is the mighty king of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. And it is all his, all of it, including you and me. And he will transform our bodies to be like his body because right now, Your body and my body is not fit for eternity, but he will transform our bodies to be fit for all of eternity. And then we will reign with him forever and ever and ever. Your citizenship is in heaven. Let's bow together for prayer. In a moment, we're going to stand and Brother Gary will lead us in the singing of our song of invitation. There is, without doubt, in this room today, someone who needs Jesus. And if that person is you, then the invitation is to your heart. The Spirit is wooing and calling. And I invite you, on behalf of the Holy Spirit, to leave your seat, to come and place your hand in mine, and to say, very simply, Pastor, I need Jesus. And a member of our staff will be here to pray with you that this day, The last Sunday in May, 2018, you can enter into a personal relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. To all the believers in the room, you're absolutely certain that you belong to Christ, no doubt in your mind that you belong to Him. Are you still growing? Or has there entered into your life a period now in which you're just drifting along? If that be the case for you, then you know it. The Spirit is revealing that to you. You knew it before you came here today. I've just sort of held it up in front of your face. So do something about that. Do something about that. 
Make things right with God today. Repent of your sin. Begin to grow again by practicing those disciplines that you once did of reading the scripture and praying and being faithful to church and serving the Lord. So, Father, now, as we contemplate our own hearts, there are believers here today who are making things right with you, and I'm so grateful for that. But, Father, also I know there is in this room likely several who have not yet trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord. And I pray now that the Spirit's call will be irresistible to their hearts, that they will come today trusting Jesus as Savior and Lord. And we pray in his beautiful and matchless name. Amen. God speaks to your heart. You come as we stand and sing.